1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris here. We have a very special guest, Josh Reynolds, who's the host for Liberty Ballers. That's Ball Folks podcast. And before I let Josh introduce himself a little bit, I do want to say the reason how we got Josh on the podcast is because I want a little raffle through fifth quarter and we, who Josh partners with, and that's how we were able to get connected that way. So, Josh, very glad to have you on the podcast Thank you for coming on. We knew you had a little bit of a family emergency, but we still got you on. and We appreciate that.
2: Of course, Chris Lucas, truly honored to be here. Like I was telling you guys, anytime I get a chat Sixers hoop with anybody, it is a great day. So uh, top that with the Birds win, and I, I couldn't be feeling better. But thank you guys for having me on for real.
1: Now, see, you, you, you had to ruin it with the. See, I'm not a Birds fan from because I'm from Delaware. Okay, so I my football allegiance is different than my basketball allegiance. Commanders. You're a Washington fan. Oh, I'm Sad. so sorry. I know. I know. We never wanted once that that. <laughs> no, we didn't want once, but we're not going to talk about football because that's going to make me all depressed. And we have a very <laughs> fun host on. So let a guest on. So we're not going to do that. Chris, how about you go take away with our first subject, though?
3: Yeah, let's do it. So, obviously, we at the Sixers Cents are under the fan-sided umbrella, so we got to give our friends over at Fan-Sided NBA a shout-out. They've been hard at work the past few weeks putting together their annual 25 under 25, ranking the top 25 players under the age of 25 in the NBA. Naturally, the Sixers have a guy of that nature in Tyrese Maxey. Uh, now he came in at number 19 on that list. What I'm going to do... For you, Josh, is I'm just going to give you the three guys in front of him and the three guys behind him, and then we can kind of talk through where we think Maxi fits in the landscape of like great young talent in the league right now. Three guys Love in it. front of him RJ Baird at 16, Jordan Poole at 17, and Michael Porter Jr. at 18. Directly behind him, we have Desmond Bain, Tyler Hero, and Jared Allen. 19. Do you, does that feel right to you, Josh, or do you think it's too high, too low?
2: I would have liked to see him a little bit higher now, this is coming from me and from you guys, right we're We're sixers homers. So that's what makes us so fun. but sixers goggles off, I would have liked him to I would have liked him to be a little bit higher let me let me explain my reasoning. Jordan Poole, I can't argue, right? The dudes won a championship. We saw what he did in the playoffs. he I mean straight up offensively carried the Warriors for a game uh, when Steph didn't have it going. so it's like, okay, great. He's proven himself. I'll give him that. We, all, we also know he can take a punch, which is a whole other thing. That's oh, great. Oh, oh <laughs> no. RJ uh, Barrett, so... however, I I would have liked to see Maxie and RJ Barrett, I think, would have I, I would have liked to see him swap. Now, look, I like RJ Barrett's game. I like all three of these dudes' game. I, I'm not bagging on any of them. But Michael Porter Jr., with his injury history and... I don't know about your guys thoughts on the bubble and what bubble basketball entailed, but if you take away the bubble with Michael Porter jr. I don't see him above maxi. Like I don't, you look at maxi's last season and it is better than anything. Michael Porter jr. Has done. I feel like the only reason he is at that spot is off of speculation and hype. If he stays healthy, then who knows? And I'll give him that. But I think that maxi should be above RJ Barrett and Michael Porter jr.
1: That's, that's fair. That, okay. So I agree with you that he should be above those two, but the guys behind him, look, I think him and Tyler here are pretty comparable, except that Ty, Max, a better athlete. Mm-hmm. So I would put him slightly above hero, but Jared Allen was an all-star last year. He's one of the best outside of defending Joel, which barely anybody's good at. He he's one of the best big man defenders that we have in the league. Desmond Bain looks like the second coming of Klay Thompson. In my like in an um, honest opinion, like that's what he looks like. He could become the next Klay Thompson, which is high praise. But like you look what he has done, he did last season. Like I can't say that Maxie's better than than Allen or Bain, but I yeah. would say that he is better than RJ and Michael Porter Jr. and Tyler Hero. Because Michael Porter Jr., you make a good point about the bubble. Yeah. Injuries play a factor, and RJ Barrett, really good two way player. Still only left-handed, can still only use his left hand. So I'm gonna, I would that's that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say this: Maxi has a very good chance of climbing this list even higher this season.
2: I I agree with that completely because you look at the guys even but even above those three that we've talked about, it's mm-hmm. what like e- Evan Mobley, Halliburton, I think Scotty Barnes are the next three. So. Mm-hmm. You're right. I think that Maxie definitely could jump, but I, I agree with you there. Big time. Jared Allen's not getting a lot of love. Um, I yeah. know that Mobley's up there, but like you said, the dude's an all-star. Like how, how, would you list 21 better young players than him? That's a, that, that seems a little bit bizarre. I, I will say yeah. that with
1: Allen, you probably have reached close to his ceiling as a player though. Agreed. Agreed. That, that might be the only thing that holds him back.
2: I yeah, I would agree I, with that.
3: I, I think it really does depend on how you're... Like, like are you projecting forward or are you ranking these guys where they stand right now? Because if it's where they stand right now at this moment, I honestly think nineteen's probably a pretty good number for Tyrese. But okay. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of these guys are neck and neck, right? And I don't think mm-hmm. there's huge gaps between any of the guys we're talking about right now. Now, if Tyrese continues to shoot 80% from the field like he is in preseason... <laughs> then that gap will go pretty quickly. But, like, right now, there's no argument for R.J. Barrett. He was really great after the All-Star break. Probably oh, better yeah. than Tyrese was yes. last season. He um, was a
1: two-way player. Max, he isn't there, that yet, and he might not be. Who knows? We'll see.
3: Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. was, like, one of the best shooters in the NBA at sixty. Like, if there's he's a healthy. lot.
1: Of... But, Chris, he's not healthy. That's that's our point. Well, he
3: is healthy now. Like, Well, we you know, don't know how, like...
1: Is he we don't we haven't seen him play like in a real NBA game yet for multiple
2: games. We don't know that about him. And I like to to defend that. I like Michael Porter Jr. I I I do, too. I do, too. Yeah, but I agree with you. I I think that when he's healthy, when he has it going, yeah, that dude is an offensive stud. But looking at it again, like the dude, him, I would say him and Tyler Hero might be the two worst defensive players on this whole list um they just can't like they get attacked every single time they're on the floor they get attacked however i would agree i i think 19 i would have liked to see him up a little bit but like i'm not going to argue against 19 i i think that that is a that's a fair spot on this list because you yeah. look at like the top five it's like okay like you can't argue even the top 10 it's like you can't really argue any of those so yeah. that said i think 19 19 a fair spot
3: yeah, I, I think I'm with you, Josh. Like, I personally would probably bump Tyrese up a couple spots, but, like, yeah. I think Jared Allen is too low as well. So there there are a lot of potential quibbles if we just went through the entire list. Like, I don't think they have John Morant at number one over Luca. I think 19 is in range for Tyrese. Now, do we expect him to climb? I think the answer seems to be yes. How yep. high do we think he can get by Maxi's peak? What do we think his ceiling is, Josh?
2: That's a great question. So I, a guy who on this list, who I like to look at and kind of compare and see the rise that he made, even just the last season is Darius Garland. Now Ooh. I, I love Garland and I can see Maxi making a big jump like that, but here's my only issue. Garland was able to make that jump because he was really the only offensive the like ball dominant only offensive weapon that Cleveland had. Right. Maxi doesn't have that luxury like straight up he's playing with James Harden and Joel Embiid like he is not going to be able to shine like Darius Garland shined like you mentioned of of course if he shoots 80 percent from the field and continues to get better from three and somehow continues to make an even bigger leap than he did this last year then yes of course he's going to jump up there but that's a that's a comp that I really like is Darius Garland now I love Darius Garland I, I am a huge huge fan I think he is absolutely nasty and I'm fascinated to see what him and him and Mitchell do, but I, that's somebody who I would like to see. I just, my only hesitancy is Garland had a green light and could do whatever he wanted because he was really the only offensive weapon. And Maxie is not going to have that freedom only because he's playing with two all-stars, right?
1: Yeah, no, you make a really good case. And here's my thing. So this is kind of like my hot take here, even though Harden looks better than he did last year, at least in the preseason. I still think Maxie's going to score more points per game than him. I do. Because I I don't see the same James Harden as I do before. And even in the preseason, he looked very, like, pass-first type of guy still. And that's okay. Like, I want Harden to be pass-first as long as he can be efficient when he does shoot, right? That's what I think the Sixers need. They don't need him to be averaging, like, 25 points per game. If he can average a, an efficient 18 to 20 points per game and Maxi's averaging like 22, 23 Sixers can still want a championship. In my opinion, hands down. Like that's, that's what I'm hoping for. And like, so I think Garland's an interesting comp. I don't know if I would say that because I don't know if Maxi can ever be the playmaker Garland is. Agreed. Max, uh, Maxi's He's kind of like, if Colin Sexton was actually developed the right way, if you kind of think about it like that. That's interesting. Uh, Think think about it like this. Colin Sexton, combo guard, short for his size, right? Maxie, combo guard, short for his size. Took time to become efficient as a three-point shooter. Sexton was becoming a a more efficient three-point shooter in his second season, right? Shot around, what, 36, 38? Never really a true playmaker, but can run an offense if need be. Maxie, there was a stretch of games before the Harding trade. I think it was like five to 10 games where Maxi was averaging about six assists, five or six assists.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think if Maxi was allowed to have his own team, all that stuff, he might average like 20, an inefficient 23 points per game and like six, seven assists, which is good, but like that, you're not going to get an all-star there. If Maxi's super efficient, like he has been, and here's, here's a hot take. What if Maxi does continue to be efficient? What if he hits the 50-40-90 mark? During yeah. the second half of the season, that wasn't too far off. I, now, I would have to look You're at right. his free throw percentage, but I, I know his field goal and his three-point percentage were certainly there. So yep. I, I think it could happen. And if I had to say – if I had to put, like, Maxi in the top whatever of the league, his ceiling as a player – Like in his prime, I'd probably say a top 30 player, top 30, maybe top 25.
2: I get crushed all the time uh, by close family uh, because I, they think I'm way too high on Maxi, but I completely agree with you. I think that is his ceiling. Truly. There is Mm -hmm. something it kind of, obviously it's preseason basketball, right? So you have to take it for what it's worth. Yeah. But look, looking at what he's done the last few games, it's like, okay, He is legitimately poised to make even bigger step your hot take of him averaging more points than Harden. I don't think that's hot at all. I think you're spot on. I genuinely believe that. I think the hot take is okay. Is Maxi our second best player? Because he don't, yeah. Don't start Chris on that. Don't start Chris on that.
1: Are you for it?
2: You for it or against it? I'm
1: for it. I'm for it.
3: But Chris, go ahead. Tell him your thoughts. I'm not like against it in principle. I don't think he's there yet. Like I think James is, clearly better last season is it possible sure yeah absolutely like is it within the realm of can he achieve that yes um and like i agree with both of you i think there's a decent chance that he averages more points per game this year um but like the distinction you made josh between him and garland playmaking that's that's the big thing with tyrese is like the next step for him is becoming a more advanced playmaker and he's been trying some passes that we haven't seen him try in the past this preseason which is very promising mm-hmm. but also like you said he's playing with joel Embiid and james harden so how often can he explore that part of his game now yep. this is a guy who shot 43 percent from deep last season he looks even like more comfortable shooting the ball in the preseason now works-
1: I, I was about to say it looks like the game slowed down for him right like you know how yeah. those third or fourth year players the game slowed down that's what i think happened there sorry chris i just had to say that
3: no, you're good. And like, if he's going to potentially be as good or even better from three, like, no one works harder than Maxi. He clearly has the work ethic and the mentality, and he's willing to do the right things and to be humble. Like, he's willing to defer to James and Joel when it's necessary. If anything, Doc has been trying to get him to be more aggressive. Like, he has the right team oriented mentality. So I agree. Like, top 25 player is certainly in the cards for him i think that's his ceiling um how close does he get this season you know it, it's not generally wise to make big proclamations based on two preseason games
2: yeah yeah yeah
3: but it's hard to but. imagine the more impressive two preseason games from a 21 year old um and yeah like he like on one hand joel and james are naturally going to eat up possessions and take opportunities away from him but on the other hand Maxie being the third guy means he's generally in a very advantageous position as far as who's defending him and where he's getting his touches. Like, like it helps him a lot, too. His percentages went through the roof after James got here Mm -hmm. for a reason, because James makes guys better. And the chemistry that James and Tyrese had last season is only going to get better this season. They spent all summer working together, it seems. So that's a very beneficial partnership, I think, for Tyrese, as much as, like, it also maybe limits the upside of his production a little bit individually as far as like assist total goes or point total, but like it's a good position to be in playing with James. Harden.
1: Yeah. So. I will say, I will say this. You can already tell the chemistry, like how hard it is affecting his game. Cause there's a lot more, at least in the preseason, i see a lot more like, you know, like half court passes, you know, like not like yeah. football pa- passes, but you know what I mean? Like he will James will hit him at like our, our three point line, to their yeah. three point line and you see a lot more of that and that's just maxi in transition he's one of the most deadliest players in transition in today's game
2: yeah you're 100 yeah. percent right and and how funny do you guys remember the clip last year that went viral for a sec it was like james harden yelling it at, at maxi and everybody tried to like blow it up and be like oh something's going on in philly it's like okay everyone relax because you guys nailed it like their chemistry it, it, the numbers speak for themselves. Like the second Harden showed up, Maxi took a jump. And clearly I've been preaching this. It's they Harden has never like he, this is his first off season with the team being able to work with his teammates, get to know him, get in the flow of things. Like, of course that their chemistry is only going to get better. And everybody who is like saying there's problems and Harden here, whatever with chemistry, it's like, okay, you clearly have never played a team sport. And everyone, calm down, because clearly their chemistry is only going to continue to get better, and I fully expect Maxi to continue to improve based off of that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Let's go ahead and switch gears, though, because we can't just talk about Maxi the whole entire podcast. I, c- I, I could, remember, I could do we could, it. We could, but let's go ahead and switch gears and talk about some other guys. All right, so, Josh, recently Doc uh, had a thought about Harold and Reed and how he's going to use them. So I, this is what Doc said, according to Noah Levick of MBCS Sports. Current thoughts is Doc from Doc Rivers. Current thought is that Harold and Reed will each be, will each be every night guys in some form. Though backup five minutes are still a competition. The team has practiced with each at the four. Can Reed or Harrell share the court with Embiid and with each other?
2: It is an excellent question and one that kind of stresses me out to think about. Um, (laughs) I think that's going to be the ticket, right? That's going to be the key. Obviously you can point at things of like, yeah, we need Harden back to Healthy in shape, like quick step hard, and you can point at things like that. I think the key, and it you see it every postseason, is Embiid needs a liable backup and who can share the floor with him. So, do I think that it can happen? Yes. I love Paul Reed. Everything he's shown us, even when he was thrown into the fire in the postseason last year, I only saw good things. Obviously, he got in foul trouble. That's because he's young, it was new minutes, whatever. I I don't know, man. I I've, I honestly loved seeing that that Reed kind of played the backup for Embiid. I didn't expect that. And I loved what I saw from Harrell. Again, it's small sample size. These are preseason games. The second we signed Harrell, I knew that he was going to be a Philly fan favorite. The dude is just a, he's a, everybody jokes that now we have a bunch of dogs. He's the definition of it. Like when I think dogs in the NBA, I think Montrez Harold, and Pat Beverly. And Philly is going to embrace him and absolutely love him can he share the floor with Embiid? I don't know. I don't know. Like Montrez doesn't have a game where he can step out and like hit a corner three. Right. So I kind of think I'm like, okay, does that put him in that awkward four spot where like Ben was sitting in the dunker when we had him? I I don't know. I have no idea, but I'm very anxious. And like I said, (laughs) I'm very nervous to find out. And I think it's going to take a little bit. It's going to take a few weeks into the season with Doc kind of tweaking these lineups and see who's feeding off of each other well, who plays better and responds better coming off the bench. Like, I think there's going to be a million things and a million factors in it. And uh, I just pray that we find it out sooner rather than later.
3: Yeah, I I think you make a lot of good points, Josh. Like, like can they share the court? Yes. It's really a matter of should they share the court? I I think Mm -hmm. with Paul, it makes more sense. I think defensively, Paul can share the court with Embiid without a ton of problems. If anything, it takes a lot of pressure off of his shoulders and keeps him out of foul trouble. Offensively is where we run into problems with both guys. Like with Harrell, like you said, he he's just not shooting the ball at all. And that yeah. especially if we're projecting towards the playoffs, it's going to be a huge issue. Paul can shoot, but he doesn't shoot enough, not yet at least. And I don't think that's a very clean fit either offensively. Mm -hmm. Um, Like talent-wise, I think both guys, it's fair to say, are probably like top 10 talents on the team. They're both good enough to play regular minutes in a vacuum. But whether or not they should, like like fit-wise, George just makes more sense as like a four who steps in and chucks a lot of threes. They run into problems on defense especially in the playoffs, but like offensively, that's just a much cleaner fit than Paul or or Montrez will ever be next to Joel. George actively spaces the floor and helps Joel offensively. Those two are not doing that. And as far as defense goes, as great as Paul is, Montrez is not a very good defender in any capacity, four or five. Mm -hmm. And as good as Paul is, you have PJ Tucker, you have Daniel House, you have Tobias, you have other guys who can play high-level defense at that position who help offensively. So I, I think the best route here would be to just use one of them as the back at five based, you know, pick whoever you want based it on matchups. Some nights it can be Reed. Sometimes it can be Montrez. They're both good enough, but I, I, I really don't think playing Paul Reed at the four every night is the smartest thing in the world. As yeah. much as I love Paul Reed and as much as I am one to, champion him at every turn I, I just don't know if I would I just don't think it helps him beat much and the goal of this team still should ultimately in every way be to you know what gives Embiid the most room to operate like that's the number one principle for this team offensively defensively whatever like who helps Joel because Joel's leading the bus here so
2: yeah yep
3: I, I would say it's probably not the best idea to use what, them at the four spot can it be done? Yes. You aren't going to lose a ton of minutes with Joel on the floor, but probably not the best use of those two players. Yeah.
1: I'm going to agree with you guys. Look, Harold has always been a small five. Like, and if it was 15 years ago, sure. Harold could play the four. That's fine. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Brandon Bass type of guy. Yeah. I'm throwing out some old names. there. Wow. Nice. Paul. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway. Um, so I, but it's not, it's not 15 years ago. It's modern day NBA and I, I would never play Harrell at the four. Now they have experimented with Paul Reed at the four in the G league and he can hit three pointers in the G league, but like Chris said, he hasn't really done it on the NBA level or the G league level at a high, high enough frequency to make you feel good about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So here, here's what I, I, I will say. I think if you need to size on defense, for like end-of-game possession or something along that line, sure, bring in Paul Reed. Or if you need rebounding, bring in Paul Reed or Harrell on. like Kind of like what they did. I forget who they played against last year, but they, there was the end of the game where they brought in uh, Andre Drummond and Joel to get an offensive board, and they got it, and they won the yeah. game because Drummond yep. tipped it in. St- situations like that, sure. But I wouldn't run that unit for five, six minutes at any one point. I just it doesn't like you guys said it just it doesn't fit naturally. You can do it if you're low on like if you have a few injuries but like I it's not something that I would do on a regular. Yeah. I think center by committee is the best option. Look, I know Doc Rivers is kind of set in his rotations but this is the year to be flexible to prove people wrong.
3: Yeah. And look, I mean to a certain extent him being open to these things is more flexible than he's been in the past and Oh yeah. I, I think a positive Like I'm glad that he's experimenting and trying new things, but like Mantra is straight up should not play the four next to beat. With Paul, like he could get to a place in the future where you can play Mexican beat full time. Like he's a 40 plus percent three point shooter in the G League, on like three four attempts a game. Like there's evidence of him potentially being a shooter of that caliber. Is he there yet? Probably not. But like with Paul, you know, there's like a trajectory. That he, you know, he could get there, but right now I, I don't think he's there yet. And with Montrez, he's a center, like you said, Lucas. You know, he's only six, 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 seven, whatever. But offensively, defensively, that's a center through and through, and that's the only position he should play. So
2: Agre- agreed. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I good on Doc for trying to get Paul Reed minutes. I, I think that's a great initiative and a good mindset to have, but it probably should come at the expense of Montrez if you want to like invest in Paul Reed's development, because that's his best yeah. position right now is the five. So
1: And look, the, the nice thing is that the Sixers signed Trez to a minimum contract. So there isn't the money value forcing you to play him over Paul Reed. It, it's purely just like Doc's bias or just, you know, namesake of Montrez Harrell, but like you don't have to. Yeah.
2: Now let me, I- let, there, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, let's just let's pray that Doc continues to show that initiative, Chris, like you mentioned, where last season it's like, okay, like, please stop playing DeAndre Jordan. And eventually he listened. (laughs) So let's let's hope that that continues to happen. And like you said, let's let's continue to get Paul Reed minutes. I love that he's already shown that.
1: Yeah, and let's go. So the next question here was clearly planted by our producer, who is not with us tonight, Uriah. No, I, Uriah, I wrote right, this question. Oh, no, that's right. No. You, you wrote this question. Good point. Never mind. I forgot that you wrote yeah. the agenda. Uh-huh. But this is totally a Uriah question. It made me think of Uriah. Even though I knew you wrote it, it made me, my brain went blank, and I was like, oh, this is a Uriah question. It's about Matisse Seibel. for our long-time listeners. So, Josh, Matisse Seibel was not used in this, until the second half of the Cleveland game, where they used to primary starters and look like the primary bench will he be a
2: part of the regular part of the rotation in the regular season and should he those are two good questions I so I'm sure just like everybody else you guys have heard the quotes from Embiid from other players that have said hey Matisse has actually improved a lot like you watch videos of him actually shooting and camping in the in the corner and it looks like he's even tweaked his shooting form a little bit so I'm like "Okay." Good, good on him. If he can do that and actually get consistent, I feel like we're crazy saying that, right? We've said it every off season since he joined the (laughs) league. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if he can actually make that jump, great. Then he can play because his defense is so good. Blah, blah, blah. Same story every off season. Now we're deep. We actually have depth. We've never been able to say that. So is he going to be able to take minutes on, on the second rotation where you've got Melton out there, you've got Daniel house out there these other wings who actually provide offense. Like, I, I don't know. I I, I think, again, at, like I mentioned with the Harold and, and Paul Reed thing, it's a long season, man. We're going to see a lot of things. We're going to see a lot of different lineups. I think that we're going to see ebbs and flows. I think he's going to play a bunch and he's not going to play a bunch. I think that's how it's going to work until we find something that actually works. Look, all of us Sixers fans would love nothing more then Matisse to finally be able to just consistently knock down a corner three. Like I've been praying for it. It feels like every night since we drafted him. So I would love that, but I do not think so. I think that these other dudes who we brought in are going to get minutes before Matisse does, but I would, I would love to know what you guys think.
3: Yeah. So. I have a very long and complex history talking about Matisse on this <laughs> Mainly because Uriah antagonizes me about it all the time. It makes me take harder stances than I would like. You know, obviously, the dude is a brilliant defender. He has, he's made the all-defensive teams twice in three years coming off the bench for most of the first year. Like, that's special stuff. No one can question whether or not he has the juice on defense to be a, a, an NBA player. It's all offense, and he he just straight up could not play him in the playoffs last year because of the offense. He was unplayable, flat out. Now, he also started for most of the regular season and for a little bit of the playoffs even there. Well, not not in the playoffs, but for most of the regular season, he was a starter, and he was getting regular minutes in the playoffs. But like you said, Josh, it's basically because they had no one else. It was Danny Green, who was hurt all the time and getting older. And a bunch of guys who are like fringe rotation pieces, some guys we might not even see this year because they just weren't good enough. So, yeah, I I I don't think I would put him in my first five off the bench right now. Like I I think Shake is the guy he's really competing with for minutes. Yeah, straight up, I think Shake is better than Matisse right now because. Offense is more important than defense for what the second unit needs. They need Shake's ability to create from scratch and to do things off the dribble. More than they need Matisse's defense because they have Daniel House. They have Melton, who's going to guard the same guy as Matisse guards. at Maybe not the same level, but a very, very high level. He's not that far off. They have PJ guarding the best guy in the starting five right now. Tobias stepped it up defensively. You still have Joel who is an all-time defensive anchor. Like they don't really need Matisse's defense that much. It's not a necessity like it was last season. Yeah. So unless he can step it up offensively, there's really no reason to play him. He hasn't. He, he there's he doesn't deserve it. So like we've all read about the offseason improvements. We've seen the videos of him shooting in the gym. Through a couple of preseason games, he really doesn't look all that different. Like he's shooting more, which is good, but until yeah. those shots start falling and they don't look particularly great coming out of his hand. It's not like he, he looks like JJ Reddick or anything. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Until that happens, until that flip that switch is flipped, I, I just don't know if I can say here with any confidence that he should be playing. Now, will yeah. he play? I agree. Like we're gonna see him at various points in the season. They're gonna try different things. Doc clearly likes Matisse. He was, you know, it took everything from not to play Matisse in the playoffs. It's clearly a guy that Doc likes and appreciates and respects, but I don't think he should be playing over Shake Milton right now, which is really what I think it comes down to.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with with Chris on this. I think the main reason why Shake's getting it, I don't think Shake's a better player, not overall, because I think, you know, Shake's a good offensive player, but he's not an all-NBA defender, like, Uh, Matisse's, but that being said, I think, like Chris said, he is more important to the second unit because you need a playmaker. Melton's not a playmaker. Yeah, he's a point guard size, but he's not really, he doesn't have really a lot of playmaking skills. His main thing is defense and you know, just athleticism on offense, three-point shooting. Daniel House is very underrated, and I don't know if you thought this when they acquired House, but me and Chris had the same thought process, like House might be a cleaner fit in the starting five cleaner. I'm not saying better, but cleaner fit than PJ Tucker.
2: That's very interesting. So I, so I'm actually, I relocate. I'm out here in Utah of all places. Okay. And so I also watch the Jazz just because they're here in the same state. Yeah, I course. have a huge, I'm a huge Daniel House fan. I, I thought that he was better than Royce O'Neal was on the Jazz roster last year. So the second he became a free agent, that's one name who I was preaching and throwing out on social media constantly. He was, let's let's legitimately let's Philly make a run at Daniel House. I love him. I you nailed it, Lucas. Like he's extremely underrated. I fully believe that a three and D guy like and he's athletic. Like I I love him. Yeah,
1: but that that being said, I just I think until proven otherwise, Matisse is going to be in this in is probably going to be the eleventh te- man off the bench to start off this season. Now injuries can certainly change that. And if Matisse comes out firing from three point line, then obviously we have to take notice. But like, I just think to start off the season, I think he will be the 11th man. And I think he should be the 11th man because you need Melton's playmaking. Melton is just a better two Melton in the house are better two way players. You're not going to play five at The four. Not defensively, yeah. anyway. He can't. He can't guard fours as as good as he is defensively. fours would chew him up. Yep. And then obviously five. That's that's a whole entire different conversation that we just had. So that being said, one last cl- question for you here: Who sh- and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but who should be which five bench players should Doc use in the regular rotation, and which five bench players will Doc use? Prediction
2: time, guys. Yeah. I, I Do love he this
1: versus will he? Yeah,
2: yeah the, the question that sums up Doc River's career. Um, I so we'll see Melton off the bench first. Uh whether it's for Harden or Maxi, he'll come out. Um, Daniel House is gonna get a ton of run. I think Niang is gonna get a, a lot of run as well. And I'm pumped for Niang because now that we have depth, he can slide into a role that he is that he was intended to play for us. Like last year when we brought him on, I think he was thrust into a role that he, I don't think anybody expected uh, played way more minutes. And to his credit, I thought he was great. And then the playoffs came along. It's like, okay, like you get crushed offensively or defensively, excuse me. So I'm I'm excited to see Niang in a more natural role for him where he can come off the bench launch. I'm excited to see it. So I've got those guys who I'm fat. And then obviously Harold uh, will get minutes and at what we talked about, like with Paul Reed and stuff. I am very fascinated. You got to see choose, you
1: gotta, you gotta choose one center. You got to choose one center. Which five guys?
2: Oh, five. I'm going. Then I'm gonna go uh, Paul Reed. Okay, that's yep. who should Doc use now. Which ones will he use? H- Harold Harold will get the run. I think. Um okay. I loved I loved what you guys said about. Look, we brought him in on hardly any deal. We're not paying him a ton. He doesn't. Hopefully, that doesn't play a process. And like, nah, we got to play him. I just. I, until Doc proves me wrong, and I pray he pre- he proves me wrong, I think he's going to still continue to play these guys. I think that was the big knock when we signed Harold. It was a mixed bag. There were some Sixers fans who were pumped, some who were just, just kind of just bummed out because they're afraid Doc is going to play him and overplay him, kind of like he did in L.A. So that is my prediction. Who I'm fascinated, actually, I'll ask this question after you guys give me your list because – there's a name on our roster who I am very curious to hear your guys' thoughts about and where he fits in.
1: No, no, you, he might end up being in our next section. So great, just just hold off for a second. But um,
3: go ahead, Chris. Yeah. So here's what I will say about Montrez. Like, just brief said. Like, no one should be afraid of Montrez getting minutes until the playoffs. Like, he's a great regular season player, and. if Doc uses him as the main guy in the regular season, there are worse outcomes. Like, he's going to feast next to James. Offensively, Fair. it's going to be great. The defense isn't a huge, massive, debilitating concern until the playoffs. Um, like, who should Doc use? I think it's the five guys we saw the other night. I think Paul Reed, George Yang, Daniel House, Melton, Milton in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. Those would be my five. Which five so... do you think he will use? I. I'm tempted to say it's those five again. I I, I do think Seibel is going to get his chance every now and then, like you said, Josh. I think we're going to see Montrez every now and then as well. But, like, clearly, Doc, like we said, he's talking a lot about Paul Reed and about the work Paul put in. We are seeing Paul get the start when Embiid sits and then be the first backup off the bench. We didn't see Montrez until the second half of that Cleveland game either, just like Seibel. So... I think there's a pretty clear preference for Paul Reed right now, which is shocking to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even as the, like the number one champion of Paul Reed, I never would have expected him to be so clearly ahead of Montrez in the rotation through two preseason games. Now, some of the preseason, we're trying different stuff out. We could come back after Monday, and Montrez and Fibel are the two guys getting those minutes, and we have a different conversation to have. But I, I think it's going to be Paul Reed as the main guy to start the season. That's just where it seems to be from my Agreed.
0: perspective.
3: Um, so I, I think it might be the same five, like who should he use and who will he use? Now that's kind of weird saying that about Doc, like he's going to use the right players. <laughs> I mean, if we're listening to him about this Montrez stuff, maybe he uses 11 guys use yeah. both the bigs. I maybe, mean, look, 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 you could
1: argue that Sixers could use 12 guys and be okay in, the, in a 12 man rotation.
3: Maybe we don't see George and he's using Paul Reed as a four, which would be super weird and not my favorite thing. But like, there are other potential outcomes here. But I, I think he's going to use the five we saw in the Cleveland game on Monday. I, I think I that's love the that group, and I think that's the group we're going to see.
1: I it very well could be. I think I've already kind of said the five that I think he will use. I think what he, who he should use is Shake, Melton, House. George's, Paul. I am gonna say, and and, and in Montrez's defense, I did some research. The two playoff series that he played bad in was against the Durant Warriors in '19, which let's face it, until the injuries happened, that team was gonna win another title, right? Yeah. Yes. And that, and then against Nikola Jokic, which I thought about in the car yesterday because I was driving my daughter to the uh, to a trampoline park, and I thought about, it, I'm like. Who really knows how to guard post post post-up players in today's NBA? Who really knows how to guard those type of guys? There's only a handful of guys that actually post up, big men that actually post up. Joel, Jokic, Giannis a little bit, but like for the most part, there aren't that many post-up players in today's game. So I, I feel like that's a lost post defense is a lost art in today's game. So I don't, I don't hold it against Montrez for not being able to hold his own against Nikola Jokic, who is not only taller, but he he's he's a big guy. He's a big fella. Yeah. And so, like, I think the the defensive woes in the playoffs are slightly overblown, but at the same time, I still would rather have Paul Reed. But the, going back to which one will Doc use? I think the same five, except that you switch out Harold for Reed. I just feel like there's going to be at some point in the season where Doc gets tired like my, like I still feel like the the leash is short for Reed and if Reed messes up too many defensive rotations or something along those lines he's going to pull that that leash and then just let put you know Reed back in the doghouse and put Harold out instead cuz he can he knows what he gets with Harold right so that's that's kind of where I'm at with that
2: that's fair. I will say this too: what a blessing it is to actually be able to have a good conversation about which solid bench players we should play. We've never been able to do this, so I, I'd love it. It's a good problem to have.
3: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, it's like: will the reigning or the former Stickman of the Year get minutes? Will a two-time All Defensive Wing get yeah. minutes? Yeah. Like these are yeah. good problems to have.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think on that note, Chris, is, it's time to switch gears.
3: Well, well, Josh, you said you had a question or a play you wanted to bring up. Who, who was? That? Oh yeah, There's yeah. There's yeah. one.
2: Yes, there. I'll just ask real fast because I he's lost in all of this, and I think he's gotten meaningful minutes in the past. Maybe he shouldn't have. Uh, meaning Furkan Korkmaz. Uh... He is. He is somebody. This is this is my prediction of what happens with him. I think he's still on the roster, obviously. I, unless crazy injuries happen and we are just like absolute bare bones or one of these dudes comes off the bench and just doesn't have it going, we're not really going to see Furcon. And that kind of makes me sad, but also at the same time kind of makes me happy. It's so funny seeing Furcon play in the summer, like with his home country, because he's a completely different player. So every yeah, every time I see him play and I get it's a different game, but every time I see him play with this country, I'm like, oh my goodness, like. This is, this is the, this is FERC's year and it never is. So I want to know your guys' thoughts on FERC. Do you agree? Do you think that in unless something crazy happens, like we're not really going to see FERC play anymore? Chris, you go first.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to see FERC on much. Now, again, this is like, again, the Sixers are deeper than ever. This is mm-hmm. like FERC on once upon a time was a very important part of the bench unit and a pretty yep. decent semi-reliable bench player obviously he has the talent offensively last season was pretty rough but he mentioned at media day that he had nerve issues in his shooting hand which caused him to change his mechanics and got him out of rhythm like i buy that that sounds like it would give me problems if i was trying to shoot a basketball and he claims to be healthier now he's looked pretty good through two preseason games he looked good in EuroBasket. like this is a very confident player. We know he can shoot the ball and when he does shoot the ball, he's got you know, he's got a pretty deep bag offensively compared to a lot of guys on the Sixers bench. Like he can yeah. he has the floater, he has the in-between game, the pump fake. Point Furkan point something uh, is something oh, yeah. seen and something that has been not entirely <laughs> unsuccessful in the past. So <laughs> I like Furkan a lot. I'm kind of buying Furkan stock right now. I don't think he's going to play much. Yeah. So whatever leap is coming might have to come with his next team whenever that yeah, I w- transition I w-
2: happens. I agree.
3: But yeah, I'm look, kind look. of buying FERC on stock right now. Like I kind of believe in Furk more than I would have said I did last season. And he's like the 13th or 14th guy off the bench. So we're not <laughs> going to see him. But lots of positives with him so far this summer. Look. Okay, I believe
1: Corkmaz is just trade fodder for who whatever mid-season trade we're going to make, because we're going to make one. I yeah. just feel it. I don't know what it is, but it, we're going to make one. I will say this. Corkon, he's proved me wrong time and time again, because I remember a couple summers ago, after his thir- third season, a second or third season, and it was his second season, I was like, he's a bust. And I had all these people from Turkey... Like trying to hit up my my uh, my Twitter, like you know. And as soon as he started doing better, they were like, "Oh, what about this now?" I'm like, "Okay, I'll I'll eat I'll eat it." But like, look, Korkmaz has been the second longest tenured player here in Philly outside of Joel, which is hard to believe, but it's true. 2016, yeah. um, and I think he's still under 25 too. It's hard to believe he he's still pretty young.
2: I, yeah, I did yeah. my own
3: like sixers twenty five and under ranking, and I had to put Furcon on there. He's still twenty five. Uh, yeah, that is insane
2: yeah. to think about. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: So, look, Corkma's. I I've had like a love hate relationship with my my cheering of him. I will say this. First off, I think Isaiah Joe's better, and if Isaiah, if, yeah. if, Zay- yeah. if we we'll get to that in a minute, but like. Assuming Isaiah Joe's on the team, I think he would be ahead of him in the rotation. That being mm-hmm. said, corkmaz is not a—he's an NBA player. Like you know, he probably shouldn't be a part of your normal rotation, but he is a good like eleventh or twelfth man to have. So yeah. that—that's all I'll say to that. I don't think he's going to get minutes, but I—you know what—if he does, I—you I, know—if we have injuries. You know what, he can come in, he can get hot. As long as he's not in one of his cold spells, like
3: I'll be happy.
2: Yeah, that's fair.
3: So I I think the Isaiah Joe comparison is interesting and that pretty much leads into my next point. So we're gonna kinda of blend them together here. Um, the Sixers cat Trevlin Queen the other day. No surprise. He's he's out. Not surprising. I don't think anyone do you have anything you want to say about and Queen, Josh? Do you have any pressing thoughts on him?
2: <laughs> no pressing thoughts. Yes. My only thought was he was going to dominate again in the G League for us. But that's that was my only thought when we signed him. And that's my only thought now.
1: I mean, yeah. he could still play for us in the G League. I, I yeah. don't know if he has. Does he have an exhibit ten in his contract?
3: You guys know that? I didn't see that. I don't think he does. But OK, he could very well return to Delaware or play for yeah. Delaware. Um we now have basically 16 players fighting for 15 spots. I think the consensus is that that final spot is going to go to one of Isaiah Joe or Charles Bassey. Both are on partially guaranteed deals right now. Isaiah's becomes fully guaranteed on opening night. I think the running favorite there is probably Isaiah Joe. So we'll go to you first, Josh. A, do you think Isaiah's going to get that spot, or do you think Charles has any sort of chance to overtake him and B I'll say B for later. I do want to talk about Joe and Furcon Cause I think that's an interesting comparison, but let, let's okay. start with that. Do we think Isaiah Joe is going to make the team?
2: I do. I think Joe, I think Joe gets the final spot over Bassey. Um, I don't know. Again, this is a, it's, it's going to be our last roster spot. So I don't know either one of these guys, if they're actually going to get minutes, but I think both these dudes have just never really got a full shot. And when they have got little minutes, like both of them have proven, hey, like they actually can contribute. They can. And there was a big push this offseason before we signed Harrell of like, great, Bassey is going to actually be a big man on this team and get minutes. I don't know if the Sixers saw something that they didn't like, and that's why we went after Harrell. I have no idea. But I think Isaiah Joe for sure gets the nod on the uh, the last roster spot. I would be shocked if he didn't.
1: Yeah, I, I think you have too many guys that can play backup center. You have, you know, you have of course Harrell, Reed. You can also play Niang. We saw them do that. Tucker obviously is yep. a candidate for that. Yep. So I think I think the need for Bassies is less. And look. Josh, did you, you saw the summer league, right? Chris, Chris was doing summer camp, so he couldn't, yeah. he was working. You, so you saw that he had hands like feet on offense, right? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a little rough. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He, he couldn't catch like, he couldn't catch the ball to save his life. So I, I think he need like, don't get me wrong. Bassey can be an NBA player. He just needs to develop more. And I don't think the Sixers is the te- team to do that with. I think Isaiah Joe, look, he, I think, like I said, I think he's better than Fourcon right now. Probably better than Jaden Springer, but Chris, I'm not saying that out of disrespect. You know, I I know how much you love Springer, but like right now, I think Isaiah Joe would probably be the 11th guy off the bench. Out, no, no, 12th guy because I had Thiebault uh, 11th. So I I think he's the 11th guy. I mean, 12th guy. Like I think well, he's that good.
3: I, I think Harold or Reed has to factor in before him.
1: Oh, oh okay, yeah, sure. But like the next wing after and then, after Stiebel, right?
3: Yeah. And, well, let's talk about Furkan now because I'm not okay. so sure that I would slot Isaiah over Furkan. Really? Because I mean, last I don't think Doc, okay last year,
1: last year you would. <laughs> last year you had no I
3: problem they, doing it. Doc Rivers does not. Is more what I mean. Like okay, I straight up okay. Furkan would play before Joe, if injuries necessitated it.
1: Okay, okay, that makes sense. Again, we didn't yeah.
3: see Isaiah Joe at all in the Cleveland yeah. game. That was pretty notable. Um, right. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point.
3: So, but the- um, Yeah, I think Joe gets the 15th spot. Let's talk about Furkan now. Like, Joe, I agree with you, Josh, hasn't gotten, like, a full-on chance to carve out his role in the rotation, and I think that mm-hmm. has been, like, short-sightedness on Doc's part. But, like, at the same time, it's not like we haven't ever seen him on the NBA floor. He's gotten right. some chances. And frankly, he hasn't done a lot with those chances. Like he shot 33% from deep last year, 35% from the field. That's a guy whose bread and butter is three-point shooting. That's his one, like, distinguished NBA trait. and just wasn't that great at it last year. So if yeah. he can't do that, at, like, like Furkan for all his problems has proven that he can play reliable role player basketball in the past. He wasn't doing it last season, but we have seen him be a reliable NBA role player in the past. We've seen him have big nights. Yep. We haven't really gotten that out of Joe yet. So I'm not sure we can really honestly sit here and say that Joe is straight up better than Furkan, mostly because gotcha. we haven't seen him enough. But like like Joe hasn't shown us a ton in his minutes yet, and he's a better defender than Furkan. I think that's like the one area of surprise with him is Joe was not a very good defender in college, and he's been a pretty good defender in the NBA. And that's really (laughs) where his case on Furkan, that's what his case is built on. Not on the three-point shooting, which in theory on paper is elite. He took 10 a game in Arkansas and was a great movement shooter. Furkan's a better offensive player right now from the looks of it. And so, so unless Joe can really build that case on defense, which I don't think he'll get the chance to do this season, I'm not really sure we can say he's better than Furcon or above Furcon in the rotation. So yeah, that's
2: fair. That's I, I fair. would agree with I would agree with that. And I so I'm sure you guys remember this in 2020, Furcon's like little spurt of a week where he had like career high against the Bulls. Oh, and yeah, it was just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. I was at every home game, I think he had like his career high 34, I want to say against the Bulls. And I was there. It was unbelievable. But seeing like that little glimpse, it's like, okay. Like He's got this in him. And I'm not saying Isaiah Joe doesn't, but like you said, like we don't we've never seen that. So I, I agree with you. I think it would be very hard to put him above Isaiah Joe above Furcon um as far as getting that last spot of minutes, <laughs> heaven forbid, if that actually came. I think that's a that's a fair statement. I guess
1: look, if the Sixers were in a different Part of like where the where, what type of team they are, if they're trying to contend or build, if they were still trying to build or rebuild towards a championship, then i I would definitely give Isaiah Joe more shots. But I guess you guys have kind of convinced me a little bit in the idea of, look, Cork Moz can win you a game. We know that Cork Moz can win you a game, like uh, maybe one or two games a year, right? Yeah. Joe has not been able to show that. part part of that is Doc Rivers being stubborn part of that like okay because look Joe was the only player young player that did not get regular G League minutes in the first two seasons because he played maybe a handful in his first year didn't play any last year like how do we know how good he is because Doc won't let him go to the G League and because like they need the extra body just in case but like at the same time he won't play him either it's not fair to Isaiah Joe
3: I I think like that You're right, because like, he's kind of a victim of circumstance because had the Sixers not made any big moves, had they brought back the same team, I think we would be talking about Joe as like a real potential breakout candidate who could be yeah, getting fair. minutes over guys who played yeah. back. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now that they've brought in three really good free agent wings, he's just not going to get those opportunities. He's on the roster bubble. He's fighting for the... He might get cut, so... I I think he's really a victim of circumstance in that sense, because, like, you're right, because he hasn't played in the G League that often because it's frankly felt like he's too good for the G League. Like, I, I think we all believe that Isaiah Joe is an NBA talent. He's a good shooter. The percentages haven't been great, but we know that he can shoot. He takes a lot of threes. The form looks good, and the precedent is there from college and before. Like, he's a good shooter, and we know that he can defend, and I think based on, like, Upside and projecting forward, it would be wise of Doc to kind of prioritize Isaiah over Furcon moving forward. It's the last year of Isaiah's contract. It'd be good to see what you have before you get rid of him. But like with the guys ahead of him in the rotation right now, he's just, there's not much of a pathway to minutes because he's not going to pass Thiebaul, who may or may not pass Shake. Like there's just too many guys in front of him. So, I, I really think we're probably heading into Isaiah Joe's last season with the Sixers. That's I, I think that's the circumstance we're in. And yeah. like that's unfortunate. I, I think Ooh. whoever signs him next, hopefully it's like OKC or Utah. If he goes to one of those p- teams, he'll probably play. Like yeah, Isaiah Joe He would play for O K C this year. Yeah. So I, I don't think this is like a death knell for his NBA career or anything, but he he's just not Gonna make it in Philly. I I think that's where I'm at because there are too many guys in front of him, and the Sixers are trying to win now. And Doc traditionally doesn't really play the young guys. So
2: yep, yep, you're right. With our championship window being realistically like the next two years, then it, it's you're 100 right. He doesn't really have a spot on this team. I I like what you said there, Chris. He's just a victim of circumstance.
1: Look, even if he makes the roster, there's no guarantee that he'll be on the roster by the end of the year. His his money's not a lot, and he could just be trade fodder like Corkmas is, and Thibel might be. Like yeah. if the Sixers want to make a a swing for our, like a decent rotation player, they're gonna have to include multiple contracts. Cause look, Corkmas makes five million, L- Matisse makes two million. You could throw in Jaden Springer, that's another two million. That gets you what nine million. Isaiah yeah. Joe gets you about a, thou- a ten thousand. So. Yeah. Like if you want to do that, you can like that, that, that might be a real thing. And like, honestly, that might be a good use of our depth. I know it kind of destroys our future, but at the same time, you're going all in already. Yeah. You're not you play these, like, like you're yeah. not going to play these guys in the next two or three years. Anyway, like yeah. I, I thought the Jaden Springer selection was not, not good. Not because he wasn't a promising prospect, but because like, it kind of reminded me of the Zaire Smith thing. Like, he's he's a few years away from being able to play in NBA games. And even then, he'll still need a few more years to develop. So, like, what's the point of getting a guy that needs a lot of development? And, like, Isaiah Joe, great choice. Um, you know, upperclassman, had a clear role, but he's still not getting minutes. And part of that is Doc Rivers. But part of that is, like, the windows. To, like, I would make a trade involving those four players if I could. Like yeah. if, I, if I was the GM, I would be looking to get a guy that makes around $10 million, that could be like a, a really good 11th guy just to have an emergency guy. And, and I'll also say this. Look, you could waive any of those guys if you want. You could waive Joe if you want to. You can waive both of them and still get a guy like Whiteside who's on the free agent market or another guy. Like, Look, it, I don't think you need another center, but like, I'm surprised I didn't go for Whiteside over Harrell because I thought Whiteside might be a better choice because he's a really good lob there and a better defender. So I I don't know. But my point being is, like, I feel like there's a chance that neither one of those guys are going to be on the team by the end of the season.
2: Yeah, that's fair.
3: Yeah. All right. So let's wrap it up here, guys, before we ask Josh about what he's doing. Uh, The Sixers signed Mac McClung to an exhibiting contract. He's going to play next season in Delaware. That's the expectation, at least. He spent last season most of last season with the South Bay Lakers. He played one game in LA. He also played one game for the Chicago Bulls, and one game for the Bulls' G League affiliate before that. Do we think he'll stick around in Philly? What are your thoughts on that signing, Josh?
2: I love the signing. I I mean, look, everybody knows Mac McClung as the high school highlight tape guy, and oh yeah, right, rightfully so because it is one of the nastiest mixtapes ever. Um. I do not think he'll stick around. I love the fact he's going to be in Delaware this year. I think that is going to make as if blue coats games. I don't know if you guys have been blue coats games. Oh, are fun. I,
1: I love dude. I am from Delaware. I grew up in Delaware. So whenever I visit home, I try to get to a blue coats game.
2: Love it. There's yeah. They're so fun. So as if oh, they yeah. weren't fun, as if they weren't fun enough already, having this dude who is capable of a highlight every time he touches the ball playing for him is going to make it even more fun. So I love it. I, I've joked about it on Twitter just because I'm like, I've been preaching like this is the year, all the vibes are, are gonna, there. I just, I feel so good about it. And now it's just funny. We've got the high school highlight tape guy.
1: Are, um, are you going to get him a jersey. McClung, uh Jersey? Are you going to get a pong
2: <laughs> <McClung> Jersey? <laughs> I might New have Coast to
1: Jersey. Hey, have, his,
2: his first highlight. I might have to pull the trigger on.
1: Hey, Hey, I'm already getting Chris, a, a uh, Springer Island thing. I, I might try to get one of my friends to commission a, uh, a, uh, Mekong jersey shirt type thing.
2: I, I would Love be it. down for it. Uh, yeah, it. I would rock. I would rock one of those. Yes. But look, in the
1: grand scheme of things, is he probably going to end up on a two-way contract for the Blue Coats for, for the Sixers? Probably not. Look, I'm still going to, even though he had a sucky summer league, Champagne he still has high potential as a six-eight wing. And the other two-way guy, Charlie Brown Jr., he's close to my heart, and I really hope that he can eventually make the Sixers' actual roster, not just a two-way contract spot. Yeah. So I, I don't think McClung's going to get NBA minutes, but look, he's going to make the blue coats look good, and he might be good for an Exhibit 10 if you need it. Hopefully you don't need it, but if you need it, he might be a good option. He's a good scorer, um, kind of undersized for the shooting guard, but you know what? It's okay. It's okay. He's going to have fun in Blue in Delaware and Delaware I'm sure would love to have him. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um yeah, like like you guys said. Odds are we never see this guy in a Sixers uniform. So Yeah. <laughs> on one hand that's sad because like you said Josh, this is like one of the premier highlight real guys of our generation and yep. He was quite good in the G League last year, this G League Rookie of the Year, taking up the mantle after Paul Reed. So he produced. He, he's not just all flash. There's some real yep. skill there. Um, now, unfortunately, he's like a small guard who can't really defend, so the future's somewhat limited for him. I, like, mm-hmm. I agree, Lucas. Both the two-way guys Philly has right now are probably better NBA prospects than Mac McClung. So I think he's pretty far down in like the organizational hierarchy. I don't think we're going to see him get a contract next season or anything. He's not going to steal that 15th spot from Isaiah Joe. But it's a fun name. He's yeah. going to have plenty of highlights in Delaware. And it will be something fun to talk about every now and then, to, like retweet a highlight reel or something. So, yeah, it's all positive for me. He's going to put up big numbers in Delaware, and we're going to be able to watch some nice dunks. So yeah, I'm fine with that.
1: For sure. So Josh, before we wrap up the podcast, let's switch gears and let's talk about what you're doing. You got any fun projects coming up? Where can the listeners follow you and engage you with your work?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Twitter at Josh Reynolds, 24. Um, I do. Uh, it's like my love language. I love giveaways. I am lucky enough to have access to some Sixers gear, so I'm always giving stuff away um so if you're interested in free gear give me a follow um but yeah man my my podcast uh that's ball folks i've got some pretty cool guests coming up um so definitely give me a shout um but yeah that's that's where you can find me
1: and he's not lying about the free gear i already won one so hey i'm just saying <laughs> give him a follow you might get something i'm getting I, so. I think i think i'm getting a hoodie and a windbreaker right yeah so that's what yep. i want
2: yeah Yep, I'm literally shipping out tomorrow.
3: Awesome.
1: So I think on that note, Chris, you want to go ahead and wrap things up?
3: Yeah. No, Josh, again, thank you, man, for coming on. We really appreciate it.
2: Of course. Chris, Lucas, you guys are awesome. Thank you for having me. I had a I had a blast. Thanks, man. Very much appreciate it.
3: Yep. Loved having you. We'd love to have you back on again sometime in the future. Um, all our listeners, please go follow Josh, like Lucas said, like Josh said. It'll be worth your while. He does great work. And to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixers Sense podcast. This is number 222, y'all. We're, we're getting up there. So thank you for sticking with us each week. We will be back later in the week to talk more Sixers, to talk more preseason basketball. So we should have a lot to discuss. As always, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible. Please like, subscribe, give us five stars if you can. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixers And we are on the web at thesixersense.com where you can read our written work, which we would highly recommend that you do. So peace out, everyone. Go Sixers. Go Eagles. Sorry, Lucas. <laughs>